and there's lots of literature, as you well know, out there on amino acid requirements. But some of that data you can't use in the context of developing nutrient requirements because you don't know what, for example, the overall growth rate was, and you don't know what, sometimes you don't know what energy intake is. I'm just kind of blasting these off, but there's very specific ways um, that data needs to be collected in order to use either to generate a model or put together nutrient requirements. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry, one that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swine It Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Adiseo is a worldwide leader in animal nutrition, providing nutritional solutions and services which fuel predictable profits. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And with me today, I have Dr. Phil Miller, who is a professor in animal nutrition at the University of Nebraska. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing, Laura? Good. Glad to have you on today. Thank you. Well, just to, before we really jump into the topic at hand, some of our uh, listening audience may not be familiar with you or your background. And so I'd like to take a moment and just have you do a little bit of a background about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm here in the animal science department at the University of Nebraska, which is in Lincoln, Lincoln campus. Uh, I have been here now for 32 years. Doesn't seem that long, but it's been 32 years. Uh, I've got a research and teaching appointment. Um, my teaching is uh, animal nutrition and feeding. I also teach a graduate level nutritional energetics class, which, you know, kind of studies nutrition and energetics. Um, and uh, my research has been in swine nutrition. Uh, early on, it was grow, finish, amino acids and energy. And then over time, it transitioned into sows and longevity. And, and now we're um, pretty committed to the gut health microbiome area. So that's, that's my academic and research background here at UNL. I'm a native of California, and I did my uh, graduate work at uh, UC Davis. This episode's sponsored highlight is about cloud farms. Did you know that you can improve productivity across all your farms using real-time data? With a user-friendly app and a secure cloud-based solution, Cloud Farms provides real-time reporting for your entire team from anywhere. Our benchmarking farm-to-farm -farm analysis allows you to make data-driven decisions to meet your company's goals, providing only the best for all types of pig production. If you want to take your company to the next level, go to www.cloudfarms.com. Very good. That's that's wonderful. And it's always interesting for me too to hear how people's research has changed over time. Yeah. And you know, some of it does change with just the need of the industry, but it is intriguing to hear. Um, well, Phil, I want to really kind of jump in today with with the conversation. Um, you had talked about this opportunity to visit about this National Animal Nutrition Program. 
And that's something that some of our audience may not be very familiar with. Sure. And so let's just kind of start with what is the National Animal Nutrition Program? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's still evolving um, as we speak, like anything. Um, so I'm going to go back a little bit in time. Um, so back uh, 2012 uh, is when uh, we had those discussions about the revision and the ultimate revision of the swine NRC. And people who are familiar with the nutrient requirement series from, from NRC are familiar that those publications typically would have nutrient or ingredient databases or tables in them. And I was on that committee with a lot of other um, people who are a lot smarter than I am. Um, but we found that we spent a lot of time recruiting information for those ingredient databases. And it was um, it was a significant amount of time. And so about that same time, there were discussions about, and it was a little prior to our study group getting together, but there was there was just discussions about the sustainability of the NRC series and whether they would be able to keep doing that. And it wasn't that anybody didn't want it to keep going, but at that time, funding and the mechanisms for funding were a little constraining. So um, Gary Cromwell and Charlotte Kirk Bear had actually thrown out the idea of this as a possible replacement for the National Academy's activities. And in all fairness, that didn't get a lot of favorable review. But what did happen from that is that they submitted um, those efforts to the NRSP program, which is um, funded from the top of hatch money. And so I know some of the viewers don't know what hatch money, but that's the monies that predominantly go to our universities and fund a lot of our research. And so they were successful at getting funding for that, for that project. And the, and the, the core of that project looked at two aspects. One was developing ingredient databases for our species, specifically those species that were, that were going to have nutrient requirements, um, Put together, and then there was also a modeling group of that, and that's overseen by a coordinating committee. And so, over time, that's exactly what's been going on. Um, the um, ingredient database for the swine was uploaded, it's now on our, our website, and I'll give that here in a minute, maybe when we talk more about that. Uh, but the group that that I was have been involved with primarily on the feed composition side, we put together the um, databases for the beef, um, the dairy, and now the poultry one that's it's in progress. Um, and so the idea is that is that that's going to be a dynamic thing that's going to continue to grow. And so in future um, nutrient requirement series come to be, they won't have to spend all that time possibly a putting together ingredient database or putting together a model that's going to be used you know by the users because now all of the nutrient requirement series have models associated with them and so we're in the third iteration of funding so we're in year 
12, 13. And uh, it's, it's, it's going really well. Um, our, our website is, is getting a lot of use We're we've entered the social media arena and that's been really interesting. So, and it's primarily as a, a resource, a research um, supplement tool that people can use. So there's lots of good things in there. Mm-hmm. From a nutritionist perspective, um, some people might be wondering how often is this database updated? Or how are we getting the ingredient values? Where are they coming from? That's a, that's a great question. So when the ingredient database for this, the swine publication was put together, that was recruited from all literature values. When beef and dairy put theirs together, those were recruited from analytical labs and there were four to six labs that they recruited values from. And um, I'm going to, I'm probably going to misquote these numbers, but they, I believe there was one and a half million records for, for beef and even more for, for dairy. Um, And that in the process of that, we had postdocs that were working on this project and they were very instrumental in developing some key tools on how to sort through records, identify outliers. Um, and so those are published and those have been very helpful. Um, so as far as updating anything, we've not gotten to that point yet, but it is, you can query it. And we're just getting ready to put that out, push that out so that people can identify, you know, what range in protein or which range in calcium they might be looking at or what type of ingredients, those kinds of things. Well, I'm going to pick on you a bit because we're talking swine. Is there any opportunity or thought process that we could move towards analytical values for the swine as well outside of the the reference literature values? Uh, I would really, really hope so. (laughs) Um, And I I don't mean, I I don't mean to discount the process because that's, that was the collective decision at the time. Uh, But because there's a crude protein value in a manuscript doesn't mean that an expert in crude protein necessarily did that. You can, uh, and will be able to query on whether it was literature based or analytical lab based. And you'll also be able to look at whether it was a wet chemistry or an NIR indirect method. So that will be something that the user um, will be able to do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my other question to this is this something, this nu- nutrient database, is this going to be fluid, meaning? it's going to be regularly updated with values or is this a kind of like an NRC? We're going to do it once. We're going to hold right. those values for a period of time. And then if funding allows, redo this process. It, it's a great question. It's one we ask every month. And oh, so, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's a really good question because if you've followed along over the years, some of the other activities that have been, um, providing a clearinghouse for nutrient values, they sent they they gain momentum, 
and they get published or, or put on the web and then they kind of die a slow death. Um, our intention, we, we've just, um, we're almost done with the process, but we've put in for a nonprofit um, component of our group in addition to hopefully continuing to receive NRSP funding. But we've been told and the tea leaves are pretty much said this as well as that our funding won't last forever. And most of these activities, if there's no funding, they don't go anywhere. So we're, we've um, put together a nonprofit uh, 401c uh, that's going to be uh, implemented here shortly. And then we're hoping we re can recruit sponsorship and funding from industry in order to keep everything up to date. So the idea is to continuously bring in new data, new concepts into um, the databases and on the modeling side as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's where some of the value lies, at least in my interest rate. So even going through previously published peer-reviewed journal articles where a diet is is published, it'd be interesting to be able to see how that diet shifts and dynamics and um, being able to use values from time, we, it would be interesting. It is certainly one of those conversations we have regularly. Maybe not everything was published in that manuscript in terms of all the amino acids. And so Absolutely. it'd be interesting, right, to go back and say, well, in the 90s, this, these were the values and here it is. And we can do that some today, right, with our, with our NRC getting published every 10 years. But we also see probably in the last 15 years that some of our ingredients have changed quite a bit. And we anticipate that they're going to be changing more here in the very near future just for manufacturing and processing capability. Oh, yeah, and regional differences and those kinds of things. We've had conversations and people have brought that to our attention. Um, you know, soybeans are a good example. Um, where are they grown? What's the historical data? We've been, you know, people have offered us to, to provide that data for us. And we're, we're, we said we're very thankful for that. But at this point in time, we've got to be able to know what to do with it. You know, just having a big repository of, of data is 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 not something that I mean, it's desirable, but you have to be able to do something with it. So we, we want to be able to have all that in place um, before we start going to recruit or ask for a lot of data. But um, variation and year to year variation is really important. And that's something that we're really interested in being able to to have in there. Mm -hmm. That would be exciting, right? That to me, that would be really interesting to look at those trends and patterns. But I'm I'm that way. I like to look at those types of numbers. Well, and and if you know, we we've talked also about in the mod the modeling group, the modeling committee um, has uh, been talking about this as well. Is just you know on the diet formulation side, um, can we dovetail something in website that would provide some rudimentary ability to formulate diets and not to replace any software that's out there but you know that's nice to be able to have your database and then import import that into a, a, a feed formulation program mm -hmm. as well swine podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like ivonic we are sciencing the global food challenge healthy farms by bioverse 
your manure management experts. Swine management to the next level. Cloudfarms.com. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we've seen that with some of our other um, fairly recent nutrition guides. When I say fairly recent, in the last 15 years. Um, now I'm going to stop for a moment though, because you you talk about modeling, and there might be people who are listening who don't know what you're referring to when you talk about modeling. Because right? modeling can mean many different things. So when you talk about modeling in in the National Animal Nutrition Program, what does this modeling look like? Well, that's a really good question. And maybe just to back up a little bit is that those who are familiar with the NRC, now we refer to them as the NASM Publications, National Academy of Science or Engineering and and Medicine. Um, Since 1980-whatever, those publications have also had a model that'll generate nutrient requirements for the user based off of inputs. And that's been done for all the species and swine was no, no exception. Um, so in the, in the, the latest version of the swine NRC, there is a, an available download um, model that based off of user inputs, um, starting weight, ending weight, peak, amount of protein accretion, those kind of variables can be put in and it'll generate nutrient requirements. Um, the values that are that are in the current NRC are generated from the model that was done. Um, and there was a lot of behavior analysis going to the literature and seeing if model output predicted what was in the literature that we used to to, to determine the requirements. So that's the, that's the context of what we were referring to in the NRC realm as a model. Um, that goes a little bit deeper in terms of what the modeling group for uh, NANAP has been working on. They're trying to um, develop across species platforms that can be used for poultry, swine, dairy, beef, and they're also very interested in getting animal performance data that can be used with those models. You know, we talk a lot about amino acid requirements, for example, and there's lots of literature, as you well know, out there on amino acid requirements, but some of that data you can't use in the context of developing nutrient requirements because you don't know what for example, the overall growth rate was, and you don't know what, sometimes you don't know what energy intake is. I'm just kind of blasting these off, but there's very specific ways um, that data needs to be collected in order to use either to generate a model or put together nutrient requirements. And so that's one of the things that the modeling committee has been working on. In addition to discussions about updating some of these models. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Any um, thoughts of tying this into sustainability models and, you know, taking the inputs from this and, and taking them out through the outputs of, of the animal beyond just growth? Uh, 
Absolutely. And one of the things that's really unique for this project is that we're fortunate to have um, administrative advisors who are experiment station um, directors and regional directors um, and sustainability and how we um, can intertwine our efforts into that is, is something that's going to be very important as far as our future funding goes. Um, so right now, I would say that the models that you see used for those that are already published don't have a big component, but Laura, I, I can tell you that anything that goes forward is going to have an emphasis in that area. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. We hear more and more about it every day. Yeah. So I yeah, think, you know, rightly so. Yeah, absolutely. And as we, it would be unique, right, to be able to regionalize and say, well, this soybean mill is using, has this amount of nitrogen or crude protein. And, and what does that look like in relationship to the animal and the outputs that come from it? And so, yeah, I think that would be a great opportunity for sure. Well, one of the other questions I should really ask for our audience who's listening is where can we find this they're, if they're uh, interested in this program? It's, um, it can be found um, at animalnutrition, all one word, dot org. And that'll take you to the website and it'll go through all components that are included there. It will ask for individuals to register it's very simple it'll take 10 seconds the reason we do that is we like to know who's looking at it um not because we care who you are or who they are um but when you work in a funding environment um those are the kind of things people like to know uh so that's that's the the site and then you can access um, the ingredient database component or the modeling side. And there's some interesting things both in the ingredient database and on the uh, modeling side in terms of information. So for example, um, Ryan Dilger is, is the chair of the, of the feed composition committee now, and their committee has put together a number of, of educational informational items. So for, for example, one's on dry matter. I mean, dry matter is something that we all strive to be able to teach and learn. And it's one of the most difficult things that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, right? I mean, if you can, if you can describe dry matter to somebody, you, you're better than I am. So there's a, there's a little, what they call one page, two pager thing in there that talks about, um, dry matter. And there are other various things. They're, they're oriented towards a general audience. You do not have to be a nutritionist to understand or appreciate what the topics are. Um, and I would say that's also the same for the ingredient database. Some terminology uh, might be foreign to some people. But if you want to know, for example, what's in corn, you can go and click on corn through the right now through the swine ingredient um, catalog, and it'll tell you how much protein, calcium, phosphorus, and energy is in there. And so um, 
one of the things I've done here at Link, or I'm in the process of doing, is just generating some assignments for students in the nutrition class to learn more about ingredient composition because as we, uh, you know, going down the line now, I people don't know as much about ingredient composition because they're not necessarily out working with those ingredients. So it's, that's been really helpful because I've got students that come from from um, urban backgrounds that are very interested in in animal livestock nutrition and they want to learn about this and it's a great way to expose them to that. Yeah, I really like the little the quick notes or quick reference pages. I think that's actually a really nice idea, particularly as you, as you mentioned, we might have people who are on the website who may not be familiar with some of the terms, but are you know curious to know right. what group protein. Those, those will toggle up when you kind of put your cursor over them too. So okay, so that's yeah. how they'll be able to access yeah. them. And you mentioned that there's a registration. Is there a fee associated? No, there's no fee. It's just uh, it's and, and basically you you maintain your you know, your identity and everything. We're not tracking anything other than where people are from and what they're accessing. Um, we've had lots of conversations about maybe taking that a little bit further and asking a few questions, but we all know how we feel about asking questions when we're on a website. That's a real kind of turn off. And so uh, we'll probably at some point in time see if there's a way to voluntarily get people to do that without um, linking their use of the website to that. Sure, sure. Now, I also noticed on the website, there's a whole tab, if you will, on peer review publications and workshops and symposium. What might they expect to see on that page? Um, so uh, the publications have been from both of the committees, but the majority of those workshops have been done on the modeling side, both at the dairy science meetings and animal science meetings. Um, Luis Tedeschi from Texas A&M University, he's a member of the modeling committee, he's been very instrumental in, in um, helping put together those workshops. Um, the, the proceedings from those workshops have been published. I just... Um, uh, I'm an editor for the for the journal. I just got notification that they're soliciting um, the papers from this last summer's workshop. The Feed Ingredient Database had a symposium, and I think it was was it the 2019 meeting in Austin. I lose track with COVID and everything. Does that sound right? I think so. We had we had one where we brought people in and talked about non traditional feed ingredients. Those things that's published and that's linked. Um, in there um, as well. Um, there's data access. What was the other part you asked about initially? Um, peer review publications. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and those are all linked there. And then I believe you can go, um, there's access to a YouTube channel and or some presentations. I gave a presentation at ASAS this summer um, regarding NAP and the future of nutrient requirements series. Um, Ryan talked at uh, poultry science meetings on some things related to NANAP, and I think you can get those there. One of the 
one of the real exciting things that that the committee's done, and this will be the third time this coming year, is that they we have put together a summit in Washington D.C. and we've taken timely um, topics. This year's is going to be related to sustainability and the environment and all that. And we typically put a day long um, program together. Um, those um, presentations from the two previous ones can be accessed there. Well, those are designed to interact with people in DC, the legislative aides, um, people who work um, with allied industries in DC. Um, so that's been a real um, positive thing for the NA, NAP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't, I was not aware of that part. So that's actually, well, that's, you know, works. That's, that's the thing is, is, is sometimes, you know, acad, people in academia don't do a really good job of getting the word out. And I'm, and we're, we're really bad at that. And so that's why we're kind of trying to embrace this social media thing. And I think we're getting some momentum on LinkedIn and, and Facebook and Ryan's been, uh, along with the website developers, they've been really helpful on that. So I think that's going to be a real positive thing for us moving forward. Cause I always get that from people. Oh, I didn't know you, you did that. Or where'd that come from? Well, that, you know, it's nice that people notice that, but I don't, you know, you don't want people out saying that to you. Cause that just means that you're not getting it out. To <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. That's true. Yeah. Well, I see our time is kind of wrapping up here, Phil. So before we jump over to our infamous questions, I really just want to remind our audience that we've been talking about um, a website and um, the National Animal Nutrition Program. And as Phil mentioned, it can be found at animalnutrition.org. And again, it covers um, ingredient databases for not just swine, but for dairy and beef as well as poultry, and uh, also has some modeling capabilities. So it's a wonderful, wonderful program and and sounds exciting with some potential um, things coming down the road that I think can be very useful for the industry in in all different directions. It is time to our famous three. We have a time and labor-saving product for you. AgriSlats by Healthy Farms is your solution. No more lugging jugs around the barn every month. With AgriSlats, you simply drop the slat through the floor twice a year, and it works to break down solids, reduces crusting, and forming. To learn more, visit MyHealthyFarms.com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, ThePigSite.com. So, Phil, as we as we jump over, I'm going to start asking you those those great three questions that we like to ask our guest speakers. The first one really is around a swine resource. Do you have a favorite swine resource that you would recommend to the listeners? Well, I'd say two. I I like this website. It's not just swine, but there there are swine nutrient things there. Um, I also, because I am a nutritionist, I, I use the Swine NRC, latest published one, a lot. And I need to clarify that just a little bit. There's, in addition to the nutrient requirements, there's some really good chapters in there that talk about energy, amino acids. And I think even if you're not 
a swine nutritionist or an academia, academic person, there's lots of good information there. And one of the things I direct people to is there's a chapter on research needs. And so if you're a young scientist or a young person that's coming into the nutrition area, I'd read that chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great recommendation for sure. What about something that's maybe not pigs related? Are you reading anything today that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, that's a good question. I, I thought about this and this is going to sound crazy, um, but I'm rereading um, a book called The Fire of Life. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's, uh, I got it around here somewhere I can show you. It was written by Max Kleiber. Max Kleiber is one of the founding um, fathers of nutritional energetics. But the great thing about this book, albeit there's some equations and things in it, it's just really good to read. I mean, you can, he, he takes energy from the standpoint of why, you know, there were times in history where people didn't have enough energy or food to eat and they starved. And so anyway, that's what I'm, that's what I'm reading right now. So maybe not a strong connection to other people in the audience, but um, if you're interested in, in a scientist who could write really well, Max Kleiber was that person. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds really actually quite interesting. I've, I've heard of Max Kleiber. I've just not heard of the book. So maybe that's body weight to the power. That's Max Kleiber. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so the last question we like to ask really comes down to um, kind of a personal thing here. If you can think of somebody in your life that you've defined as successful and success can look any different way you want it to be in your mind. What's a trait that that person possesses that you think has allowed them to be successful? Well, there's several, but the one thing I I think about, and I always try to mention this to, to my children, is that individuals who have no fear, and I don't mean that they're doing hazardous things, but would go into a a new situation without any you know, peril or reservation that they would put their intellectual um, uh, capacities at full throttle and not worry about what's going to happen. We all have to be accountable and we can't do anything inappropriate, but people that don't, that don't go into situations fearful, I think are, have a high likelihood of being successful. Mm -hmm. That's when I haven't heard. from our list, from our audience, or sorry, from our guest speakers. So uh, that's actually a really good one. I like that one. Well, Phil, I want to thank you again for your time today. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, again, want to thank our audience as well. So we wish you all the best. Oh, thank you. And you too. Thank you.